Before you begin listening to this episode, I want to give a content warning. There's discussion about detention, torture, and also we talk a little bit about some derogatory terms that people use regarding queer folks. So listen at your discretion. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Deli. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi trans Lebanese, and we're recording here in Houston and. And in Bristol, in the UK, with <laughs> Shruk. You are the dancing queer on Instagram and on Facebook, right? You have a Facebook yes. page? Okay. And yeah. dancing queer yeah. official on Instagram. Yeah, it's at Dancing Queer on Facebook, and somebody stole my name on Instagram, so it's the Dancing Queer on Instagram. Oh, that's why. Yeah, well, we're just gonna say fuck that person. No, well, what if they're not? Oh, or... actually, it's Dancing Queer official. They stole the Dancing Queer as well. <gasps> okay, that's... but they seem nice. They seem nice. I kind of stalked them a bit, but the account is private. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, yeah, so we thought we would get to know you a little bit. Um, You have just, I mean, from what I've seen online, you just have such a beautiful spirit, and I'm just so excited we get to connect. Um, I have seen you doing, like, a lot of belly dancing, and I love, I I just love the work that you do and, um, you know, stereotypes that, stereotypes that you kind of make people rethink um and i like that you play with uh, you know various gender like gender um presentations and it's kind of it's just such a reminder like there's no binary um there's gender is a spectrum i'm just gonna say you know non-binary drag i fucking love it and i love your (laughs) fucking beard it is amazing i am you know what like, it wasn't even supposed to be drag when it came out. It was just like, I love beards, and I think they look beautiful. They frame your face really well, and I don't have a lot of facial hair, but even the little bit that I had from a really young age, I was really shamed into having it. So I just, it was it was just kind of, you know, reclaiming that and seeing how beautiful it is. And then people saw it as drag, and it was like, I guess I'm a drag artist. <laughs> I love that. No. <laughs> so, do you mostly dance, be- uh, like, do belly dance or do do other styles? Uh, it's most, yeah. It's it's always belly dance. Always um, belly. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it's always belly dance when I perform, but I also do talks. Um, I do a lot of refugee activism. I speak in parliament and like take down politicians. Um, I do oh, campaigning wow. around universities and stuff. Yeah. Whoa. Ah, so a proper activist then. Proper activist. Amazing. Very powerful activist. And when did you start? Yeah. Can you talk about, yeah, can you talk about like when you started, how you got started? Um, I think, I think Egyptians just belly dance as soon as they're born, really. (laughs) I don't think I've met an Egyptian who who doesn't belly dance. We don't, I don't think we even call it belly dancing. We just call it dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've belly danced all my life as to I think most Egyptians but then I started performing as dancing queer probably around five or six years ago 
Um, and I was just dancing for some friends. It was the first time that I danced in front of people in the UK before. Um, oh, wow. It wasn't with a beard or anything. It was just that there was some belly dance music in the background. And I was like, oh, let me dance. And they were like, oh, you're really cool at this. And um, I think I just didn't expect people to to be this surprised by it. Like it was, mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was a, a skill because it's something that I grew up with. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it just made me want to perform, I guess. And oh my God, British people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, especially when I first started out, they were just like, we're not sure where to look. Like, is this okay? Like, are we supposed to to look at this like semi-naked person? (laughs) Yes, making Brits uncomfortable. I love it. Well, well, that's kind of like a really low bar. Like It is. Like, you know, we have children in weddings and daddy dances, like it's normal for us. And, and to them, it's just like, oh, how could children be around this? What if they learn to be as awesome as you are? The horror, the shock. The shock. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what will the children say? What will the, what children, will the, no, what will the elders say? What will the town elders say? <laughs> the town elders. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, what what has it been like being in that setting in Britain and... Um, bringing this dance uh, to that setting, like, has it, I don't know, I, I'm sure it's different in that uh, people, some people exotify it. I don't know, what has that experience been like, kind of that shift of having it be like part of your everyday life and nothing was particularly unique or special about that type of dance in Egypt and then being in Britain and all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, how has that been for you? Yeah, I think it was a little bit strange, especially at first when most of my audiences were white British. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have a lot of a queer POC community around for for the first half of, 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 of my life in the UK, I would say. Um, so I think like it was really, really alien to people. Um, but there is definitely exoticism. So something that really annoys me is if you Google belly dance, uh-huh. everybody that turns up is like white. Nobody actually looks like me uh-huh. representing uh-huh. belly dance, even in Egypt. And it's really sad. So all the new big belly dancers in Egypt are are are, are not Egyptian. Um, and I don't think that this is something that only the West is to blame. I think it's also within our culture. I think, I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel growing up in Egypt, I was racist against myself. Like, you know, I started using, do you know, like, fair and lovely creams and stuff like that? Oh, oh God. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, we know. Yeah. Heard about yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted my skin like... white. Like, I was skin whitening. I, I, I would have died before somebody sees my hair unstraightened and stuff like that. So we really, really think that white beauty is is the standard. Um, and also, we really slut shame women uh, who want to belly dance. So we're not making it easy for Egyptians to, to oh. become belly dance. Oh, good girls don't uh, belly dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, if, the, if they're from the outside, it's okay. But if they're actually like our people... It's like, no, we have to be... We have um, to be proper and uh, blah, blah, blah. Even but, though we're selling you skin lightening creams so you can because we now we value whiteness more but there's like, your in, oh, oh uh-huh. there's your there's your evil western influence by the way 
yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh but from both sides like i've had people say oh you're so disgusting about my beard and stuff and uh i've even had like some creepy photographers who'd come and photograph uh, an event that i'm dancing at uh and then like taking to the side and be like hey like i'll give you a free photo shoot uh but the beard must go <laughs> oh <laughs> so, god yeah Ugh. you're like you don't get to pick and choose what parts of me you get <laughs> so yeah i've noticed there's this trend of hashtag tribal hashtag fusion belly dance yeah and like it's always t- it's like come try my tribal fusion dance or belly dance class and i don't even know what that means what tribe are they referring to it's just so bizarre i mean ooh, maybe you won't like my i don't mind that too much i don't mind people like, I don't mind when people wear things from Egyptian culture and stuff like that, as long as they say, you know, this is influenced by. No, 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 I get that. Yeah, it's like when when the originators are not credited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when the originators are not credited and when, when the people uh, who are the face of this are not the originators either. But I, like I said, I do think it's not just the West to blame. Like, it's us mm-hmm. too. It's my culture too. It's my family, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good way um, talking about cultural appropriation. I know there's, the, yeah, there's like a difference between appropriating and appreciating. And yeah. Like if you can appreciate it and borrow certain elements, but also credit where you're borrowing it from, I, that makes all the difference. I, I kind of say like it's all appropriation and I think you can appropriate and credit or appropriate and claim. Oh, okay. That totally <laughs> makes sense. So in the academic sense, cite your sources, people. Especially, I guess, especially if people are going to make money off of something. Like if someone's going to teach a belly dancing class and they advertise it and they're like tribal fusion, but they don't explain anything about the background of the dance or where it originates. And that, and money is going to be made off of that I, where I see I like, So I, I've seen belly dance help a lot of, you know, people who come from, from white backgrounds. I think it can be really useful for a lot of people I think so I don't have problems with individuals like small individuals even if they're making a little bit of money from it but I think I definitely have from the bigger the bigger picture or mm-hmm. or you know something if Chanel or Dior kind of copy paste some sort of cultural outfit and and just like make all the money from it and not credit the culture at all or give them any of the profits that's what I really have a problem with oh I hear that so yeah I think yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah, what what was that store? There was some store in the U.S. What's it called? Urban Outfitters, and they were like, I've heard them. There was a big issue of a lot of uh, Native American designs and things like that getting used, and big company making all this money, not at all talking about where the designs came from, or yeah, how, or at that, least that yeah, or like really angry. yeah, me too, or like sharing any of the proceeds with the people who. originally created those designs yeah there was something as well i think a new look or something like a some sort of british british store and they had some something i don't actually know what it's called so i feel bad for talking about this but it's uh from indian culture and they didn't call it by its proper name and i was just like oh indian head thing go and wear it and and not and and the models were white wearing it and stuff so that's that's something that really annoys me i guess i i like what you brought up how when it's like a big picture thing or like a corporation making a significant amount of money yeah it really needs to be called out talked about named and and shamed yeah name and shame them 
Yes, like we are kind of doing right now. (laughs) Okay, so I know you, yeah, so you perform as a dancer and you're also an engineer. You were talking about that. What kind of engineering specifically? Uh, So I do electronic design. I do mostly analog stuff, but I also do some digital stuff too. I make robots. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You make robots. That's so cool. I make robots. I, I love it. Engineering awards from the Institute of Engineering and Technology. I've worked for, Ooh. do you know, like Intel? Yes, I, we know of Intel. Oh, yes. For Intel. I've worked for Fujitsu and I've worked in their Japan offices. I oh. get around. <laughs> Can you give us an example? I'm going to say this so elementary, um, <laughs> but can you... Talk about like some robotic system that you have worked on and what it what it does. Okay, so um, let me say, I think like when I mention the word robot, people think of like humanoid things. Yes. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> like Boston Dynamics style thing? No. Yes. Um, so the company that I work for right now, they do a lot of um, scientific measurements um, and like automation stuff. And a lot of it is very, very precise measurements. So up to like a nanometer of measurements. Uh, so that would be like an industrial robot, for example, measuring things. So I've worked on things like that. But because I'm an electronic engineer, that's just, you know, one part of a very big system. Lots and lots and lots of engineers are working around it. Mechanical engineers digital electronics analog electronics and lots of different boards inside it as well yeah Yeah. tech is always a collaborative work these days so you can't get away you can't get away from like having super specialized individuals doing super cool stuff but it's also like one part of the super cool machine yeah no i love electronics like one of my earliest memories was realizing that the people inside the tv like on my tv screen Mm-hmm. are not actually tiny little people living inside mm-hmm. my TV. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, how do humans make this magic? And I really just, oh, when I found out that people actually create this, I was like, I want to do this. I want to make all the magic. Love so I'm it. really happy that you can do it. Yeah. So basically, you are a tech wizard, a very specialized tech oh, wizard. Really? Yes. No. But I mean, a lot of technology to your to most people, including myself, even though I'm like a tech nerd, is basically magic, you know? (laughs) That's really nice. Yeah, I like saying that I'm an engineer by day and belly dancer by night. It's it's not something that you see together often, I think. Yeah, that is is badass. Uh, One thing we discussed before we started recording podcast is we discussed pronouns. And you said you prefer, you go by both they, them, and she, her, but you said you use them in different contexts. Would you like to explain? Sure. So I come from an engineering background, obviously. And um, I think in the UK, when I started studying engineering, 8% of engineers were women. Um, and now it's gone up a bit to something like 10%. So it's not loads more. Um, and I just, I don't think that she's an engineer as a statement that's heard often enough. Um, so I, I, I think it's a really powerful statement. It shouldn't be, but I really, I, I want it to be heard more. So I go by she, her at work. Um, and in queer spaces, I don't think that they, them is, is used as often as I would like it to be used. So I prefer that in queer spaces, but I go by both. I don't really, oh, gender is like confusing. I think I identify officially as gender confused. I don't necessarily identify as a woman but I identify so much with being perceived as a woman I identify so much with having such a difficult time in meetings not being listened to being called bossy being called hysterical mm-hmm. that's something uh, I- yeah I know <laughs> 
<laughs> I know this. Yeah. 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 But, um, but you know, if, if I was seen in a different gender, that wouldn't bother me too much. So that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not really sure if I'm non-binary or not. I'm not really sure if I'm a woman or not. But yeah, somewhere in the middle. Oh, I'm, I've actually been feeling that myself lately. I was like, am I non-binary? Am I female? <laughs> it's like, do I really want to have this conversation with myself again? And I'm like, do I really want to subject other people to it? Because it was dramatic last time. And How was it dramatic? Uh, well, the whole coming out is trans. Oh, oh <laughs> that last time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, part of me is also incredibly lazy. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just stick with she, her, and... If anyone asks me in depth and like asks maybe twice, I will tell them. That's and fair. it's also totally like fair. the mental energy and emotional energy that you have to put in in explaining to people. Yeah. Is- yes, I know. It's like I would love to be your educator ally, but I'm also like I want to go home <laughs> and play video games too, and not yeah. and not feel exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about this, but you know like how people use guys as a gender neutral thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, I've been using girl a lot and I like I go climbing with these people from work, so all these engineers and we go climbing and I'm like, yeah, to 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 all the guys like when they reach the top, I'm like, yes, girl, come on, you can do That's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. I'm I might have to start adopting that. <laughs> do, it, do it do it yeah it. saying hey dudes hey guys hey dudes is always the default yeah in our yeah. language yeah i'm just gonna lean heavily on the very texan y'all or y'all i mean that is... think of that, but it's weird in the uk huh y'all sounded it. natural to me it, it worked it worked just now hey y'all. hey y'all yeah yeah i use it i think people think it's strange when i use it but i mean i guess i'm a little bit strange so it's fine as, it's a good word. Yeah. As a Texan of 30 years, I'm going to say, you sound just fine. Oh, thanks. Did you say as a Texan? Yeah, I've been in Texas for 30 years, so. Really? Yeah. Wait, does that mean you're more than 30? Yes. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm like 26. I think I assumed you both similar ages. Uh, I I don't know if Ollie wants to disclose, but I am. Oh, thir- sure. I'm oh 30, I don't mind. I am 38. Yeah, and I'm th- oh. yeah, and I'm 34. Yeah, I I have only been in Texas for a few years, but already y'all just feels like such a useful term. And I'm yeah. always I'm always gonna keep it. Oh, I'm is Houston, Texas? Yeah, Houston, Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. So I listened to your podcast. And I'm like, oh, hello from Houston. I'm like, Houston is somewhere in the U.S. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally get you. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a blue bubble in Texas. Like, it's a pretty liberal city. Same with Austin and Dallas, kind of right. Yeah, or mostly Austin and Houston. I would say it's like, weird. Okay, yeah. so I actually tweeted this on my personal Twitter the other day. It's like like we were going to Dallas the other day and driving through it, you know, we're going up on the highway, which is this like goes from eight lanes to like four lane eight lane monstrosity each way to like a four lane thing. But on the highway, like every town in Texas looks the same, the same facades, the same chains. And like every town in Texas has its own like character. Like once you get to the people, some are awesome, some suck. But it also outside of the cities, it does become very hostile if you're non like gender nonconforming. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not talking like you know muttered under your breath, you know, very subtle. I'm talking like people working their official jobs, being shitty to you in official capacity because they know they won't be punished. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that is that is awful. I can't imagine what it's like. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, but it's be it's better in the cities, but not it's not a guarantee. Definitely not perfect. Is Bristol pretty liberal, would you say? Yeah. That's so I, I've only been in Bristol for seven months. Um, oh, I was in Cardiff. Okay before that for, oh, Cardiff. Okay. since 2007 I guess so a lot of a lot of all of my adult life and a little bit of my childhood um but yeah I've never I never wanted to go to the U.S. until I was refused entry to the U.S. and I was like <laughs> I really want like to go. once someone says no you're like I, what happened what happened with that okay so I was going to the U.S. for a dance and queer tour um, and I like spoke with people, do you, like people you know, you know from uh, Rana, like from Yola Punk. Oh and, yes, yes. Uh, in NYC, mm -hmm. uh, and I was also doing. Um, I I was asked to attend um, a conference about refugee issues, and it was just um, when it was oh. just starting to uh, when Trump was starting to separate families. Yes, it, it was really awful. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, like <laughs> on my application, it was like uh, I'm going to do all of this queer and and refugee things. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, but I had I had everything you know down to the T, right? I had uh, I it, the conference booked me hotel in Hilton oh in DC, and like it was paid for and stuff. So I was like, they can't refuse me. I've got everything. I've got an invitation. Oh I've got my, my day. Oh. <laughs> so I turned up there, and I've got a full time job as an engineer. And I turned up and. They were like, um, yeah, okay, yeah, so we've got everything. We're just going to need to do extra administration checks on you. And I was like, what for? Okay. And they wouldn't tell me. And they gave me this letter, and there was other people in the queue, so they, like, kind of rushed me out. And I looked at the letter, and it said that I was refused pending administration <gasps> checks. And I sent them what an email, the like, hey, has it got something to do with me being a refugee <laughs> or Egyptian? Holy it was shit. Just ban as well. And they wouldn't reply. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it just like a tourist visa that you were, or was it like some other type of visa? Like what? Visa. What the fuck? And they wouldn't. It's so shady how they were like, oh, um, we just have some administrative checks, and they didn't yeah. say it out loud. Like, hey, we're ref are planning to refuse, yeah. and then they sheepishly like give you a letter and rush you out and then yeah. you're supposed, you're supposed was, to figure out like what to do with that yeah was, and, and it's I so shady but <laughs> they yeah. sent me a letter saying that i passed administration checks and i can send my passport now if i wanted to to get my visa and it was just like thanks all my tour dates have gone <laughs> my conference you're like wow that's helpful thanks <laughs> do you think you might be able to do to come in the future or you're or are you just kind of like fuck this right now i want to come because i really want i really want to perform at yellow punk especially and um I henrietta wonder. hudson in nyc i mm. really want to perform there as well because i think it's the first yes. the first lesbian bar in, yeah in, um and they were really nice to me as well and there's resume in dc so i really oh, want okay. to come back yeah. but i hope you can i think it's like... gonna be easier when i have a british passport so i'll just like <laughs> Fair. Yeah, because of the visa waiver program. Yeah. Such a fucking mess. It's okay. I, I know. I, we just we just selfishly want you here. So. Oh, I want to come too. We'll be at Yellow Punk probably every year forever. So I hope. Oh. <laughs> I hope to see you at one. Um, <laughs> Your last episode was about Noon Festival in Berlin, right? Oh and yes, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm performing there, and I'm. I think that's going to really? be a version of Yellow Punk. Hopefully, yeah. It's sounding like a similar format. I'm so excited. 
that this is happening. I'm, so I'm going on the 29th of May, so I'm doing a tour awesome. in Berlin. In I was okay. it was going to be a Germany tour, but I only got gigs in Berlin. Uh, so yeah, 29th of May, and I'm leaving on the 5th of June or something. So yeah. I'm doing oh, a talk okay. belly dance. We're actually going to record um, with Luna of Noon Festival. So we'll mention that um, so it comes out like before you are there. <laughs> yeah, we'll mention that for sure. I'm glad to know about that. I'm so excited for you. That'll be fun. I'm pretty excited too. Are you guys coming? I wish. No. I wish. We actually just found out about Noon Fest maybe a month ago or less than that. But I hope it's a recurring thing. Yeah, um, unfortunately. I think it will be. It's sounding promising. It's sounding like it's even just for the first one, it's already sounding incredible and so well put together, well yeah. curated. And- yeah. All that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, United States limited uh, leave for in, for workers is is kind of shit. Yeah, that's oh true. <laughs> it like, is really hard to like, get time off. Oh, yeah. yeah. I read about that. You, like, you, you don't have a minimum required holiday by law, is there? No. Uh, no. And I think like the average is what two weeks. Yeah. Wow. The average, I know it's it's ridiculous. I have I I'm like six weeks. Oh my god. I think like I think by now I have like a month a year put together because after you work a certain amount of years you accumulate or you get a slightly increased Mm. amount of leave but like when you first start a job you usually get maybe two weeks total for the year it's ridiculous and then maybe like plus some sick leave days but and those two might actually be the same thing yeah, that's true. Oh my god. I know. That's it's it doesn't even frustrating. make economic sense because people will burn out. They're not going to produce any work that's worth any work that's worthwhile. So true. Yeah, if you're going to if you're that exhausted all the time. Well, I hope next year we Yeah, can next do it. year. Yeah, cuz then we'll be able yeah. to plan ahead and all that. Yeah. So, so, I'm so sorry. We got problems. Yeah. Do you want, like, I guess, I don't know, you're American, so you want to stay in the U.S., right? We're not married to it. I think you're not married to the U.S. Not married to the U.S. My only reservation of moving is not being near my mom. She's getting older. Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly, like, for me, it's all about family that I would be leaving. I know I could visit all the time, but maybe, like, later in life, I could definitely see that. Sure. Yeah, making that change, making a... I too have very old parents at this point, and I also mm. have a brother with some disability. It's and basically once they're gone, I have to take care of him, and I don't think I don't think he'll be granted uh, entry to a lot of countries either. So that's kind of an issue. So you, when did you first move to the UK again? You said two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. What's okay. that like? 12 years or something yeah can you talk about like what was the process like immigrating of course um like sometimes i get emotional so (laughs) just as a i was actually just on holiday i don't know if you know but people in egypt don't usually travel abroad it's it's a thing that's reserved for the upper classes okay um and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's 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 is swearing allowed? Oh yes. hell yeah! 
<laughs> I was a rich bitch. <laughs> yeah, my family were super rich. Um, and we travel every year uh, to some Western country, like for holiday. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were in the US uh, on holiday. It was just me and my little brother, my little sister, mm-hmm. and my mum. I grew up around a lot of domestic violence, uh, rape, sexual harassment from family members, from my dad. Basically, while we were here, something else happened and my mum decided you know what enough is enough I'm gonna claim asylum Mm -hmm. uh she didn't know that you can get asylum based on domestic violence or or shitty people basically Mm -hmm. uh so she lied and she said we're from Iraq because she thought that you only get asylum if you're from a war-torn country okay and then that was found out and basically they used that to discredit everything so for example um when my mum showed them uh, th- things that were broken before, teeth that were knocked out, stuff like that. They were like, yeah, that could have happened from your husband, but also it could have happened from anything else and you've lied to us once. Why would you believe you now? Um, so it's just like really hard to prove anything. But anyway, like uh, we didn't hear anything back from the UK for the first three years. And obviously, oh yeah. <laughs> Living in limbo for three years. But I was really young as well. And I just, um, you, you you hear these things about the UK and human rights and you think that they're going to be fair and stuff. And obviously I grew up around this. I grew up around my mum bleeding and stuff. So I just thought, yeah. oh, we're just, we're going to get asylum. There was no second questions about it. So I came out to my friends at school and stuff like that. There was no thinking, oh, what would happen if we go back? Yeah. Um, and three years later, we got a letter through the post and it was a, a refusal letter. Okay. Um, my mum didn't speak great English. I was, I don't know how old I was, but I was like a teenager and I, I had to, were you I had to explain that to time? her. Yeah. Say again? You were interpret, you had to interpret that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really common in, migrant families that the children have to explain mm-hmm. grown-up things to their parents uh, because they speak and then um i i told my mum's lawyer uh-huh. hey like i can't go home because of the reasons that my mum gave but also um i'm queer i'm um i'm a I don't believe in Islam anymore and these are things that will put me in further danger mm-hmm. um and the lawyer said do something called a fresh claim I didn't really know what that was. I was just like, okay, I'll do what you say, Mr. Uh-huh. Lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, that worked out basically meaning that there were two cases going on at, at the same time, one in my name and one in my mum's name. Uh-huh. And then I think a few years later, so maybe maybe after we've been five and a bit years in the country, mm-hmm. uh, maybe six, I don't know. I wasn't asleep at home that night and... Um, I'm trying not to get emotional. It's okay. <laughs> um, basically, UKVI, uh, the UK Border Force, uh, broke into my family home at dawn, dragged my little brother and sister out of bed, my mum, and she called me. And when I got there, they, they thought that I had refugee status, but I didn't, so they didn't touch me. But I was just, like, hysterical, and there was nothing really I could do but watch them being dragged away. They were taken back to Egypt there was like a lot mm-hmm. in the middle as well like my mum tried to commit suicide in, in detention centre and there was a lot of things that happened wow. in the detention centre mm-hmm. <laughs> so in this country you're not allowed to detain children they renamed it they repackaged it and now they call it family pre-departure accommodation so my, my little brother yeah. and sister are in a Jeez. family pre-departure accommodation <laughs> <sighs> 
<laughs> you yeah. know, they weren't allowed out. Uh, they weren't. They didn't even. They weren't even allowed their phone in. Their internet stuff uh, weren't allowed to access certain things on the internet. They were being uh. watched going to the toilet and stuff like that. Uh, so it's a detention center. They just called it something else. Exactly. Yeah. Just to um, make it but- make it quote legal. Yeah, it's like, you know, (laughs) the poverty line. Yeah, and it's just like we have in the United States with our immigrant detention facilities. Well, they won't call, (laughs) sometimes they don't call them detention facilities. I think for that same reason. It's like family family facility or (laughs) something. so stupid. (laughs) But marketing at work, folks. I'm so sorry. It's fine. But yeah, I'm not allowed to visit Egypt and they're never allowed to come here either. So we don't i think i've seen them once in the past five five six years something like that i don't know i hope you're able yeah. to meet up and reconnect I, you said yeah. so they're not, al- they're not allowed they're not allowed to leave egypt uh they are allowed to leave egypt oh so um, they can we met we met okay. we met in a uh, morocco so we met in a different country mm-hmm. i was detained back when i got back into the uk from morocco by the way we're like, <laughs> why did you go to another speaking country? <laughs> yeah, oh I don't God. know. Anyway. 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 And like, one of the times as well in the airport when I was coming back home, like, mm-hmm. this is home, I live here. The immigration officer was like, so what brings you in the, in the, to the UK? <laughs> like, You're like, I live going home? <laughs> <laughs> like, I live here? They're like, what brought you to the UK originally? And I'm like, 13 years ago. Like, why does it matter yeah. at this point? <laughs> yeah, it's oh. once. It's like, hello, law enforcement official. Are you are you being professional today, or are you just having a laugh? Well, and you're like to the border patrol person. It's like it's not even their job. Yeah, that that went outside of their job. I mean, to ask you what brought you there originally, that is not about them. Yeah. 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 Are they an asylum officer? I don't think so. Or whatever. Or whatever they're whatever they're called in the UK. Asylum officer. Or- I don't know if it's called the same thing. They're called immigration officers, I think, or immigration okay. officials. Oh, okay. Because here we have but, specific asylum officers. Oh, really? So, yeah, oh, I didn't good. know. I didn't know how it was. I don't know why I said good. I was like, oh, really good. <laughs> Just is a thing. <laughs> so good that they're so specific in the yeah. US about yeah. racism. <laughs> which ra- which professional racist are you? That would be a whole separate episode, and we're focused <laughs> on you today. Yeah, stuff has gotten so fucked up for um yeah since trump was elected so has it so i feel like so trump is obviously really shitty but i feel like a lot of things happen in the uk as well people are not as angry about them when they happen here Mm -hmm. for example we've had family separation forever but people didn't even seem to know until until trump started separating children in the u.s do you know what i mean like oh okay see i didn't know yeah like i was unfamiliar with what was happening in the in the uk and i i always thought like things must be better in the uk and i it sounds like it's better i don't know it's probably it's probably around the same i mean from what you've described i don't know it sounds like there's a lot of parallels yeah and like you said the light is always shown on the u.s yeah but you guys get less holiday though so true <laughs> that's some bullshit not a fair not a fair trade-off <laughs> that, that part no not a fair trade uh fuck yeah. this spotlight what else did i want to ask you about you told us about uh, a bbc uh list that you were included in sorry this is a big topic change but i want to make sure to mention it um can you talk about that i'm so offended you didn't know about this already no I'm no i i already know it's just <laughs> 
I want our <laughs> listeners to know. It's like we, we have we have to we have to play the inquisitive listener, not the inquisitive person who's already stalked not you the to hell. Not the stalker who's like, uh, I already know all this. So. <laughs> yeah, so some mad mm-hmm. things have happened. Um, yeah. I've uh, led a campaign in the UK called Equal Access. Basically, asylum seekers are kind of not allowed to go to university here, but the law is really clever, and huh. it doesn't. There is nothing in the law that says asylum seekers are not allowed to go to university. But they're, they, uh, asylum seekers are not allowed to work, they're not allowed to claim benefits, and they're not allowed to access student finance or even travel to try and get education somewhere else. They're given £5 a day to cover everything. So that's food, that's Whoa. new pants, that's new jackets, that's you know your washing powder, that's everything, £5 uh-huh. a day. Most people in the UK get access to student finance, that's how they that's how they go to uni, they get a student loan, which asylum seekers are not allowed to access. Mm-hmm. And also, they're seen as international students, even though some of them were born here. They're asked to pay international student fees while not allowed, be, while not, not allowed to work to try and save up for it. Right. And not allowed to access the student finance system. So they're basically indirectly barred from accessing higher education. Wow. Uh, for con- for our international listeners, international student fees can sometimes be, like in the United States at least, can be sometimes like 10 or 20 times the in-state tuition. How about the UK? Exactly. Same, is um, it same there? It depends university per university, but it's definitely yeah. multiple, multiple times. And okay. already the home fees here are £9,000 a year. Oh my God. So that's the normal fee. So imagine that multiplies, you know? Yeah, um, so it's yeah. just like people are put in an impossible situation and we're denying an education to some of the world's most vulnerable people, you know, people right. who fled wars, people who fled rape, um, and we're right. just punishing them for trying to seek safety. The Equal Access campaign was targeting universities because it's actually, it can be up to them. Universities can give students mm-hmm. places to stay, scholarships, um, and treat them as home students. So it's up to the university, actually. Um, so when we found this out, we started targeting universities. And when I started the campaign, there was no universities accepting asylum seekers as home students. And now there's over 60 universities across the UK. Holy shit, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I spoke, in, I spoke in Parliament three times in favour of the campaign. Yes, uh, <laughs> amazing. Thank you uh but like it's not just my work obviously <laughs> it's like a lot of people do yeah you, you were part of a part of something really important and this is what led you to be on the bbc top 100 influential influential women worldwide right yeah so yeah. i won a un award first and it was okay. because of this united nations refugee agency called me young woman of the year and it was because wow. of this and so the money that I raised for the LGBT community through Dancing Queer, so it was both combined. And then they've put me on the BBC 100 list, and I was just like, are you sure? Like, I can't influence oh, a plot. You sound so dedicated, and you're doing no, seriously. incredibly important work. Yeah, let's just praise you. Let's just continue to praise her till she's truly embarrassed. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> I think it just, I don't know, yeah. I think it made me realize that all the people who have these, like, prestigious awards and stuff are just normal people. Like, mm-hmm. we're all just 
normal, you know? You Oh, also you told me about your friends Sarah and Malak. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. Uh, so actually, you guys should, um, well, Ahmed should maybe try to get in touch with Sarah Hagazi, huh? Oh, okay. Um, was it in 2017? I think it was the end of 2017. There was a big crackdown on LGBT people in Egypt. Uh, basically, like four people raised two rainbow flags at a concert <gasps> in Cairo. Oh, and yes. because of that, like, 80 people went to prison. One of the people who raised the flag is my friend, Sarah yes, Gezi. Yeah. Holy shit. And, uh, okay. no, she's fucking incredible. She's, oh my god, like, I, I just, I can't imagine the courage that she had to have for this, knowing what could happen. Right. I'm sure her name appeared in articles and stuff. Maybe that's why. Yeah. It's familiar. Yeah. Um, wow. But she, um, so she was arrested. Um, it's pretty sad, actually. She... Uh, she was held in, in solitary confinement for a long period of time for waving a fucking rainbow flag, Jeez. you know? The guards in the women's prison when she was let out of solitary compi- confinement uh, told the other women to, like, sexually assault her. No. She was treated horribly. Like, I was speaking to her after she came out of, wow. of prison. Uh, on Skype and uh, she was a completely oh, she was a completely different person yeah. she was imagining people in the room because she was held in solitary confinement for so long it's really messed up with her her mind um, yeah. she was yeah. tortured some of the money from Dancing Queer went to help her uh, it was only a small part of a lot of yeah. people were helping her uh, but some of the money from from my shows went to help her, and uh, oh, we were able to get her out of Egypt. She now lives in Canada, wow. but she she hates that she's been exiled from her country. She's she's amazing, wow. uh, and there's also Malak Malak Al Kashiv. She's 19 years old. She's a trans rights activist. Uh, she went out on a protest in Egypt. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but there was a, there was like a metro accident, like an underground tube accident. Uh, basically something happened uh, that killed a lot of people uh, in transport and she went out to be like hey why why isn't the transport minister doing their job but she's she got arrested in March uh, she's oh. held in an all-male prison uh, oh, she's no. for the most part I think held in solitary confinement uh, and she's 19. There's a lot of work trying to raise awareness that, you know, our people are in prisons and stuff. So please support Malak Al-Kashif, you know, look her up and also maybe yes. connect with Stara. Definitely. Thank you so much for um, telling us about both well, of them. We will be providing links for this at the end of the episode. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I definitely want to connect with Sada. Get her connected with Ahmed. Yeah. I'm sorry, I know. It's- I, I'm i just blown away right now. Um, but honestly, you're both, seriously. you are, I mean, you, all three of you, obviously, you're so incredible because... I just, I think this this really just needed to happen, you know, having a thing about queer Arabs, people knowing that they're valid, especially the Arabic episodes, being able to, to talk mm-hmm. about ourselves in, in our mother tongue. And it really shames me that I'm not as articulate in my, in my mother tongue as I am in English, because all of the things that I learned about myself, I learned first in English, and it's really upsetting. Yeah, I get You're it. Just- I get it. I mean, we grew up here and I I often feel like I should know Arabic and I should be comfortable in it. One of my parents and all of his family members, that's their language. And my brother speaks Arabic like that's his language. And it's just it drives me nuts because I'm like, this is just doesn't feel right that I I'm not. Well, you you have an excuse. I my parents did not teach me, but my 
my cousins learned it from their parents who were also in America in similar situations and I'm and they're fluent now and I'm just like it's weird when you're you're so close to something and you I think it's especially strange for me as somebody who grew up for half of my life speaking Arabic mostly yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean like yes. people whose first interactions should be Arabic who've mm-hmm. grown up most of their life speaking only Arabic still feeling like they're having to learn about themselves in a different language. That's really demeaning. And, you know, this is why I love terms yeah. like mythly. Like when I started writing about LGBT issues in Arabic or, or just like smaller things, um, mm-hmm. I had to use words like shaz or like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the terms, but they're awful I've, terms. And they're okay, the only... I've only heard mythly so far. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. Maybe I... that's maybe it's because of the people who I'm talking to about this topic (laughs) oh that's so sweet yeah that's like the first that yeah i'm not familiar with shaz like what is shaz uh so shaz means basically against nature i guess it's the old okay uh so all the words i knew were like am i allowed to say like the f word like yeah 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 I'm sorry, like, it's really demeaning, but, like, um, basically words like faggots and stuff like that. Uh, So I started writing in Arabic to tell people in Arabic that they're normal while using words that meant that they're abnormal, that they're not part of society, that it's an insult, and it was really, really just awful. And the first time I saw the word mythly, I swear I was crying at my computer. (laughs) I should just say, because it means, like, me. And it's just, oh, it's beautiful. I love that this is the first one I'm, yeah, the first word I'm familiar with. And it's because of the people, yeah, the, the people we've been talking to for the past year. And I think I'm happy to know that. I'm happy to know that that's such a present word. Hey, um, and, so people who say stuff don't change, it changed a little. Just just saying. Yeah. Right, for, for this beautiful woman right here, it changed. Good job. but I think like in English I like the term queer because it's really vague and I know people in Arabic use the term mythly as to mean gay specifically but I use it as queer because I don't identify as gay but yeah 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 love it well it's been so good talking to you um yeah if so just to recap, how can people um, connect with you again? Oh, please uh, look up at Dancing Queer on Facebook or at Dancing Queer Official on Instagram. If you come to my gigs, you are directly donating to LGBT activists in Egypt. So most of the money that I make from my shows, I cover my expenses, sometimes not even all of my expenses. So it costs me money sometimes to perform. Oh, wow. But everything I make extra, I give to LGBT activists in Egypt. And they use that for their legal flights, you know, for paying for lawyers, representing Egyptians, yeah. um, LGBT in prison, etc. Um, so yeah, please, please come to my gigs. Please yeah, book me. I can't wait to come to one of your performances someday. Oh. It'll happen. We just have to be in the same place eventually. Probably <laughs> yellow punk. Well, maybe Yellow Punk or Noonfest if we can make it there. Yeah. So there are several possible contexts. All right, you all can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Queer Arabs. You can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. You can email Ahmed for the Arabic side at thequeerarabs in Arabic at gmail.com. And our website is thequeerarabs.com. So thank you so, so much again, 
It was incredible to get to talk to you. It was um, my I just wanted to say thank you again for gracing us with your glorious, glorious beard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you.